the dandelion. The cabin boy peeled potatoes as his friend, the cook, prepared a mayonnaise. I'll sure be glad to eat something besides potato salad, said the cabin boy. He dug the end of his jackknife into the spud and removed a greenish eye. We should be able to provision the ship with fresh supplies when we reach Tumueke, said the cook. The dandelion had been making slow progress against the trades, but now the winds had changed and she was speeding along the skipper's sure course. They would make the salt islands by the next day. The cabin boy put the last potato into the boiling pot and wiped his hands on a cloth. You grew up in the salts, didn't you? He asked the cook. I did indeed, replied his friend. Not in big Tumueke, no. I was more of a country bumpkin. Boro is not flat like Tumu, but mountainous and wild. I grew up with the monkeys and the snakes and the tall trees full of bongo fruit. Ooh, monkeys, said the cabin boy. I've always wanted to see a monkey. I've only ever read about them in books. The cook lifted a basket of steaming potatoes from the pot and dunked them in a tub of seawater to cool. Well, there are plenty of monkeys on Tumu, too, said the cook as he made his way to the hanging pot of fresh-growing herbs he kept and cut some chives and dill into his large brown hand. Those city monkeys are not like their wild cousins, no. They are halfway to being men on account of living among people for all their lives. The cook dressed the potatoes with the mayonnaise and herbs. The cabin boy went to ring the dinner bell. The port of Tumaweke bustled with activity. Men from hundreds of ships, large and small, hauled crates and barrels this way and that. The streets were crammed so tightly that not even a rat could squeeze through. The cabin boy looked around in wonder. What a fantastic place to explore. But first, there was work to be done. Bream came lurching around the corner. Drat, these boxes are so heavy. He said. And these barrels, too, chimed in Kipper. Why do we have to do this afore we can go on the town? Said Bream. You're just lazy. Why, I've hauled twice as many crates as you. Heh, <laughs> that's because I'm carrying barrels. Bream brandished his crate at Kipper, but then the captain, who was standing in the forecastle, gave a sharp, Got to work, men. And the debate was settled. On the next trip up and down the gangplank, Bream caught sight of a group of sailors from another ship. He raised high the heavy crate of sailcloth he was carrying and clenched his teeth so his muscles bulged. Kipper played toss and catch with his barrel of whale oil, giving a wink with every flip. Kipper was dropping off a barrel when he noticed a sign posted on the side of a building by the dockside. He peered at it closely trying to make out what the words were and what the pictures meant. When he had it figured, he rushed off towards Bream. Look, look! He cried. What is it? Did you see a flower? Said Bream, sarcastically. No, 
there's going to be an arm wrestling tournament at the alehouse. What's the stakes? Asked Bream. A hundred coins to the winner. Ha! I'm in once we get done with these blasted crates. And barrels. The captain had assigned the cabin boy to the job of checking off the inventory list against the labels on the goods as they were unloaded. He ducked between the legs of the men, trying not to get stepped on, as they hurried to get done with all the work so they could go have some fun. Finally, the hold was empty. The men rushed off to the alehouse, a disreputable place called the Red Willow, excitedly discussing how they would spend the hundred coins they planned on winning there. The cabin boy didn't have the big rippling muscles of the men, so he followed the cook to the market. Maybe I'll see a monkey, thought the cabin boy. At the Red Willow, the men downed root beers and ate fried yucca. The stale smell of sweat hung in the air. Hard-looking sailors from a dozen ships flexed at each other, laughing and showing off their bad teeth. A group of surly characters with black tattoos on their bare chests played cards in the front room. Think those are pirates? whispered Kipper. Bream glanced over at the men. I don't think so, he said. Uh, how can you tell? Well, for one thing, said Bream, they don't have those peggy legs. And for another thing, Bream paused, squinting. What? said Kipper. I think they're playing Crazy Eight, <laughs> laughed Kipper. One of the tattooed sailors turned and snarled at him. Let's go see about the arm wrestling. Kipper squeaked, pulling Bream by the wrist. The contest was already underway in the back room. Two large sailors leaned over an upturned barrel, arms locked nose to nose. One wore navy whites in a blue kerchief. The other had dark curly hair and a red nose. Each of the men had been chosen by their shipmates as the champion for their crew. Their fellows stood behind them, cheering them on. At first it looked like Red Nose was gonna win. He clenched his teeth and leaned in, the veins bulging in his neck. Kerchief's arm was thinner and it trembled visibly, but it was also longer so he had the advantage of leverage. There was a hushed moment when it looked like his arm was gonna bend back. Then he suddenly adjusted his wrist position and letting out a loud whistle, he pressed Red Nose's big arm to the barrel top. There was a groan from Nose's crew and a loud whistling and cheering from the men in white. Who's next? asked the fat bartender who was running the contest. Any light entrance? Ten coins could win you a hundred. You could have beaten that guy easy, Bream, said Kipper. I don't know, said Bream. Just look at those arms of yours, chimed in Pilchard. He and the rest of the men had finished their root beers and come in to see the fun. I'll put my coin on it. Uh, how about the rest of you men? Hurrah! Said the men as coins were pressed into Bream's hand. Okay, said Bream, handing ten coins to the bartender. I'm in for the dandelion. You can do it! Squeaked Kipper. Bream walked over to the barrel and shook hands with the white-clad sailor. Nice scarf, he said. Thanks, said the sailor. Bream rolled up his sleeves, showing off his thick arm. Do you want to give up now? 
he asked. Not really, said Kerchief. I'm feeling lucky. Bream and Kerchief locked arms. The men from both ships leaned in. The bartender rang his bell. The contestants gritted their teeth. Right from the start, it looked like Bream was going to have no trouble winning. Kerchief looked unhappy, and sweat poured from his brow. Looks like you've got him, Bream, sang out Kipper. Just give him all you got, chimed in Pilchard. Bream grinned and put his back into it. Just then, Kerchief whistled loudly. At the same moment, one of his crewmates slipped a pat of butter surreptitiously under Bream's elbow. Kipper saw it. Hey! He shouted, but it was already too late. Bream's arm slid out from under him and Kerchief pinned his hand to the barrel. That's not fair! Kipper shouted over the loud whistling of the white-clad crew. He cheated! All heads turned towards him. I saw it! You put butter under Bream's elbow! The sailors from the other ships rushed to defend their champion. The men of the Dandelion backed up Kipper's allegation. Soon a full-fledged fight broke out. Fists flew, root beer mugs sailed through the air, the sound of shouting and breaking glass attracted the card players from the front of the bar, who gleefully joined in the fray. It wasn't long before the bartender summoned the harbor police, who rushed in blowing their whistles and brandishing their billy clubs. They led the men from both ships off to the jailhouse. The men of the dandelion hung their heads. It wasn't so much the night in jail that they minded, as the disappointed look they would get from the captain when he came in the morning to bail them out. Meanwhile, the cabin boy was with the cook, taking in the sights and sounds of the market. After so much time at sea, just being on land among strangers was exciting. The cabin boy saw lots of interesting things. There were food carts loaded with exotic foods. The merchants behind the carts came in every size, shape, and color. There were tall people and short people, people with long-toed shoes and people with no shoes at all, but with tattooed feet. There were people with birds riding on their heads and people with tall, funny hats. The cook led the way to the vegetable stalls. Those men only eat salt, pork, and rum. Not good for their health. We'd better get lots of vegetables, said the cook. I heard Kipper saying that he hated vegetables said the cabin boy. I know. I slip the vegetables into the food without the men knowing. I make a fine mince and add it to the sauce. What's a mince? said the cabin boy. I'll show you when we get back to the ship. The cook and the cabin boy finished buying bok choy, spinach, and kale from a skinny man with a long pipe and big eyes, and were just making their way to the fruit cellar when the cabin boy spotted some monkeys sitting in the shade under a tree. Look at those monkeys, he said. I want to go make some sketches. Okay, I will finish the shopping, said the cook. Buy some fruit for me, said the cabin boy. Of course. The cabin boy trotted eagerly towards the monkeys. As he approached, they climbed up into the high branches. They looked down, chittering and laughing. He wanted to lure one close so he could draw it. I wonder if monkeys like cookies, the cabin boy said to himself, taking one of his mama's famous cookies from his pocket. He put the cookie down on the ground and stepped away. The monkeys did not respond at first, but when the sun warmed the chocolate chips and the aroma reached them up in the tree, the monkeys' mouths started watering, and they scampered down to investigate. 
The monkeys paused when they reached the lowest branch, each looking at the others to see who would be brave enough to take a chance. Finally, it was a small fellow with big ears who came down and sniffed the cookie. He showed his teeth and, bowing to the cabin boy, picked up the cookie with his human-like hand. The cabin boy just stared for a moment, wide-eyed, but then grabbed his pencil and started sketching. The monkey waited just long enough for the cabin boy to get a rough gesture down. Then he darted back up into the tree to share his treat with the other monkeys. Wow, said the cabin boy as he cleaned up his sketch. He was adding some shading when he heard a patter of light hands on the dusty ground. When the cabin boy looked up, he saw a whole bunch of monkeys holding out fresh fruit and looking at him. He got out some more of the cookies and put them on the ground. The monkeys chittered happily as they picked up the cookies and dropped the fruit at the cabin boy's feet. Mmm, mangoes, said the cabin boy. My favorite! Now the monkeys had lost their fear, and they tried to outdo each other posing for him. Just like the men of the dandelion, thought the cabin boy. The cabin boy filled his belly with mango and his sketchbook with pictures of monkeys. A ray of dying sunlight slanted through the tree. Wow, it's getting late. I'd better get back to the ship, said the cabin boy. He got up to leave and began to walk back through the market. He was just stepping onto the cobbled street when he got the distinct sense of being followed. He turned around, and to his great surprise, he saw that the little monkey with the big ears was bouncing along behind him. Oh, what will we do when the captain finds out? Moaned Kipper. If you keep whining, he might find out faster, scolded Bream. I hope he doesn't put us on half rations. All the men groaned. Their bellies were already rumbling, and the cook did something magic with the salt pork that kept them coming back for thirds and fourths. We've got to find a way out of here. But how? said Bream. They've got us under lock and key. Just then, the cabin boy passed by the jailhouse window on his way back to the ship. The familiar voices caught his ear. He glanced in through the bars, and to his surprise, he saw the men sitting glumly on the bench. Bream, uh, aren't you strong enough to bend the bars? Whispered Kipper loudly. Those bars are made of iron, Kipper, said Bream. Go see for yourself. Kipper trotted over to the small window and tried pulling on the bars to no effect. Kneeling down by the window, the cabin boy gave a low whistle. Kipper peered out. When he caught sight of the cabin boy, he began jumping up and down excitedly. Do you need to pee, Kipper? Bream poked Pilchard in the ribs and grinned. <laughs> We've got a visitor, Kipper said, then turning to the cabin boy. You've just got to get us out of here. Just keep calm, said the cabin boy. I'll think of something. The cabin boy looked around. The bars of the little window were too close for him to slip through. The only other entrance to the jail was at the front gate, where they brought in the prisoners. A chubby policeman sat on guard in the front gate. The cabin boy closed his eyes, trying to come up with a plan. Don't fall asleep now, said Kipper. Yeah, added Bream, who had come over to the window. The other men crowded around, trying to see over Bream's big shoulders. We need your help. We need your help. 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 Help
I'm not sleeping, said the cabin boy. I'm just trying to think. Well, you'll have plenty of time to think while sitting in jail, said the policeman, who had heard the ruckus and come up behind the cabin boy. Conspiring with prisoners, that's a crime. He put his big hand on the cabin boy's shoulder and led him down to the prison entrance. He took the big shiny key from the table, unlocked the gate, and steered the cabin boy into the cell, locking him in with the others. Well, this is a fine pickle, said Bream. You brought pickles? Kipper looked eagerly at the cabin boy. No, dum-dum. Bream pinched the brow of his nose. I mean, now our rescuer is locked down in here with us. Now there's no way we're gonna get out before morning. And then it will be no pancakes for sure, groaned Pilchard. Well, never mind that, said the cabin boy, reaching into his pocket. I didn't bring pickles, but I did bring something. The men broke out into big grins, gratefully gobbling cookies and ripe mango. They were so busy enjoying the treats that they didn't notice a smallish monkey slip in through the bars of the window. The monkey came right up to the cabin boy and bowed low. Why, hello again. The cabin boy smiled. I think I have one cookie left for you. As the cabin boy reached into his pocket, the monkey held something out in exchange. A large, shiny key. Why, you rascal, said the cabin boy. He took the key and handed it to Bream. Bream grinned broadly and tiptoed over to the gate. He reached through the bars with the key and turned it in the lock. Outside, the policeman was snoring in his chair. The men filed past him, silently high-fiving each other as they went. Soon they were through the sleeping town and climbing the gangplank of the dandelion. See you at breakfast, said Kipper as the cabin boy slunk off to this place behind the galley. Good night, said the cabin boy. He was already thinking about the letter he would write to his mama about his adventures with monkeys. And when he woke up with the sun to write the letter, who did he find curled up in the robes beside him but the little monkey with the big ears? The cabin boy was a little anxious as to whether the captain would allow his new friend to set sail with them, but the little fellow proved so helpful in loading the provisions and such an expert at climbing high in the rigging that indeed the captain had no choice but to welcome aboard the newest member of the Dandelion's crew.